You're tuning into Edinburgh Chi Alpha's TNL, a place for community and growing deeper in your faith. Join us each week as two people sit down to discuss difficult questions found in Scripture. This is Q&A with Jesus. It's time. We are continuing our Q&A with Jesus series. And tonight we have Jonathan and Christy spitting some good truth on uh, the question, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And so really excited for this. So I'm going to pray because um, that is what we need to do. So our hearts are ready for the offensive stuff we will hear. Um, but if you'll bow your heads with me, um, Jesus, we just thank you so much uh, just for never shying away from truth and never shying away from love. And we just really uh, appreciate just what you have given us in your word. And I pray that uh, as we hear your word tonight through Christy and Jonathan, may it uh, sing deeply into our hearts that you prepare our hearts and minds for this message and that God, you will uh, just show us the areas of our lives that you are working in and speaking into. And um, God, we give it to you and, uh, and we love you. So just thank you in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, everybody. We're so glad you could join us tonight. So like TJ said, we're going to be uh, talking about offense today. But before we do that, uh, I wanted, Christy wanted to take some time to introduce herself and to kick things off. So hi, Christy. Hi. Um, it's me, Christy. Um, so um, I see a lot of faces I don't recognize. So I assume that you probably don't recognize me either. Um, so for a little bit of background, uh, I've lived most of my life in Arizona. I went to college um, at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff and graduated in 2017. And then I uh, took the plunge and moved out to Edinburgh to do the internship with Chi Alpha. Um, I was there for two years and then I moved back to Arizona. And for the past two years, I've been doing part-time work remotely with Chi Alpha. So um, if you've seen any of the videos on YouTube or social media posts, that's what I do. So that's me. Um, so yeah, as Jonathan said, we're talking about offense and all of that good stuff. Um, so I'm just going to share a quick little story about a time when I was offended. Um, so when I was in college, we went to um, this thing called SALT. And basically, it's like a little conference on the West Coast, like there's throughout the region of Chi Alpha, there's like different ones, but this one's West Coast, because I'm on the West Coast. And so there's like teaching and worship and all that kind of stuff. And we're sitting there and this guy called E. Scott Martin starts speaking. Um, if you don't know who that is, he's like the director of Chi Alpha as a whole. Um, so he starts talking and um, he was sharing the, this like Chi Alpha-ism that's um, every student goes, gives, prays, and welcomes. And he starts talking about every student going. And I was like, beg your pardon, sir. What did you just say? Um, he's like, <clears throat> basically, he's like every student in their college career 
should go on a missions trip at some point in time. And I was like, deeply, deeply offended. I was like, I'll pray. I'll give money if I have some, I guess. And if I have to, I could say hello to people when they come to Chi Alpha. I was like, but I do not need to go on a missions trip. Sorry. Um, And so I was sitting there like fuming and I'm like, this is just not okay. Like, it's just not. Um, I will give you a quick spoiler. I did work through that and I don't feel that way now. Um, (laughs) I have grown. Um, But yeah, so then um, speaking of offense. um, So I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. I want you to tell me which one you find more offensive. Okay. So do you find the sound of nails on a chalkboard or utensils scraping against a plate more offensive? And you just drop that in the chat. We'll see where everybody stands. Mm, Yes, bring utensils. Do something to me. They hurt my teeth so bad. I I think I'm a, I think most of us, wow, most of us are utensil people. Utensils cause some offense. Oh, there we go. Matea doesn't like the chalkboard. I'll be honest. I don't know that I've ever actually heard nails on a chalkboard. Mm, Equal. Okay. People using incorrect grammar or having to walk behind someone who's really, really slow. Slow people. (laughs) I know coming from New York or being, I've just been around people that like when you're walking in the city, they're like, oh, here goes a tourist walking really slow, looking around. Like there's so many people in my life who get offended by slow walkers. Most people agree slow walkers are the worst. (laughs) Okay, okay, so this one's a little more, uh, a little more of a thinker. Flaws, the flaws in our immigration system or the flaws in our justice system? And there's no right or wrong answer, obviously. (laughs) A little combination, justice for the immigrants. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, last one. A close friend calling you out on your issues or God calling you out during your Devo time? (laughs) (laughs) This one's a little more mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely friends calling me out. I've had some, some real awkward moments. (laughs) during these questions uh but yeah in general i think when we when we're talking about offense we're usually talking about offense going in two directions we're dealing with what i like to call vertical offense like between us and god and then horizontal offense which is offense that happens uh, between people, between Christy and I, between people, you know, in in the body. So you're going to see me do this a lot because as TJ and I were processing through, that just became our hand signal. So like, yeah. So, so 
that's kind of what we what we're going to focus on today as we talk about offense how to how to navigate and process the vertical and the horizontal offense um so many times but what happens is uh we find that offense is really uh, difficult to navigate so we turn to a lot of drastic solutions i know that i'm 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 pretty bad when it comes to uh, ghosting people or cutting people off you know a lot of times i see on facebook you know, people tend to put people on blast. Uh, there's so, or there's some level of gossip or slander. And but when we look at and when we look at scripture, we see that same level of offense uh, that people had towards Jesus. People thought that he was highly offensive, and ultimately, the heart issue behind that is what is what led to them wanting to put him on the cross. But today, what we want to take a look at, we want to look at a moment where Jesus taught us how to overcome offense through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and before we like, like we're gonna get to navigating and overcoming like how, what that looks like. Um, but before that, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about like the, the what and the where, like what causes offense and like, where does it come from? Yeah, yeah, we, we can't really navigate offense until we've like talked about what it actually looks like. and. I think John 6 does a really good job of diving deep into uh, the nature of what that offense looks like. So uh, in the opening of the chapter, uh, up until about verse 14, you see Jesus, um, he's feeding the 5,000. If you guys are unfamiliar with that passage, basically, Jesus is teaching and there's a whole bunch of people who have like shown up to hear him preach and teach and they're hungry because how many of you have been sitting in church and like in the middle of service you're just starving and you're like i want some lunch so he they they they're trying to figure out how to feed the people and he ends up uh taking or borrowing this boy's lunch uh he has three loaves and two fish and he and through the power of the spirit he ends up feeding everyone in the crowd so the people are fed, they're, they're happy. And but starting at, uh, after verse 14, it says that after he feeds them, they begin to talk amongst themselves. And they say, this truly is the prophet who was to come into the world. And they began searching to make him king. And so their motives, like, right? He's preaching, they fed, they fed, uh, he fed them and they're looking to make him king and like from the outside their motives might look right right the, maybe it's that they learned something from him they want to like celebrate him they want to be able to worship him uh but what happens later on is that jesus confronts them really about what their uh what their heart motives are really about and so later on in the chapter when he meets the crowd again uh and and they're asking him questions what he says is Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the God, God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And so when Jesus confronts them about why they're there, that's where the offense uh, starts to set in. Um. 
But like Christy said, we're going to start looking at what is at the heart of that offense? Where does it come from? And so if there's anything, if there's one point that I want you to think about and really process tonight is that I think that what we see is that offense at its core comes from unmet expectations. And so as we go through the chapter, as we, uh, as we talk about it tonight, you're going to see that those unmet expectations can come from many places. But I think that the, the, the chapter really highlights um, three uh, important points about where those, where that offense from unmet expectations comes from. And so one of those first things that, that, kind, of, that kind of jumps out in the, in the scripture is the fact that sometimes uh, it, that comes from the fact that our vision for a savior always falls short. So at the beginning of the chapter, what I touched on before, the people ideas of a savior uh, extends only to their immediate needs. They were immediately ready to make him king because he filled their stomachs. You know, they, fa they failed. What Jesus said to them was that they were failing to see the real meaning behind his signs and his wonders. So when he, he, when he confronted them about their lack of vision for a savior, there was a level of offense that started to creep in because it brought their deep wounds to the surface, right? The, their, the, their vision for a savior was, well, he fed us, so now he's, we can make him king. But what he, what he starts to really talk about, what he starts to unearth is, no, I'm not just here to feed your stomachs, right? The, who I am as a savior goes so much farther than what your vision is. What I wanna do in your life goes so much deeper than, the, than, than where your vision is at in, in this moment. And so when the, when the people begin to see that, when the people begin to see that he's there to address their deep wounds, that he's there to address their, their deep hurts, right? That, that level of their unmet expectations of, oh, I just want someone that's gonna come here and meet my immediate needs, uh, that's offensive to them. And so we, we, we see that in the chapter, that's where that offense begins to uh, take root. Um, we see that in um, our horizontal relationships as well, or our relationships with other people. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest way we see that is um, taking these roles that were meant to be fulfilled by God and placing them on the people in our lives. Um, like God is our comforter. God is um, our provider. He's our healer. He's our um, savior. And when we put those on other people, like they're not going to be able to fulfill those. Like they're never going to be able to meet um, those expectations. Um, I think the easiest way to like view that is like um, our need for love. So like in regards to like a significant other you know, we take all of these expectations from even popular media and popular um, culture of, you know, you're supposed to be my happily ever after or my other half, you're supposed to complete me. And nobody can do that. Like only Jesus can fulfill that kind of a love. And um, so we're just setting ourselves up for failure, for offense and anger and bitterness. 
Um, and like, I think the worst part about um, offense is that it is like a disease, like it just spreads. Um, and it can do that in like two different ways. Like um, the first way that you see this a lot um, in the context of like church and ministry of um, you get offended with one person for something they said or something they did. Um, and then pretty soon that offense has grown to your life group. You're offended at your life group. You're upset with the way they handled something or they didn't react the way you wanted them to. And then maybe it even blows up to the entirety of Cal Chi Alpha or um, just church, church groups in general, people that love Jesus um, until you're just like entrenched in this like bitterness and offense. Um, and the other way I think it grows is you, you see that in um, like in individuals, like if I'm offended about something Bree said, and then I go to Jonathan, I'm like, you will not believe what just happened. And I start spilling the tea. And then halfway through Jonathan's like, oh, I'm offended too. And then pretty soon we've gone and we've told Taya and we've told TJ and we've told, and then pretty soon everybody's offended at Bree. Um, even though the whole thing could have been avoided if I would have just talked to Bree one-to-one uh, -one and figured that out. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that whole idea of like, I remember when I was first really coming to Jesus and I, and I was, I met a healthy community really for the first time. I remember just my whole idea of these people were like, wow, they're so, you know, they're so different than anyone else I've ever, ever really met before. And so I began to just invest so much into that community and, and in a way, without thinking about it, that community became Jesus for me. And so I, my expectations were all the way up here when, when Jesus should have been Jesus. And, you know, it, it, um, when that, when that kind of, when those expectations aren't met, then it, you know, then it hits you really hard and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. These are just people, you know? And, I, and so I think I've, Definitely navigated through that first and and the second, because I we there's something about human beings that just love the spill tea. Um, but then I think that as we uh, as we go on again with with more of the the chapter, we see that there's a a, a second thing that um, that that causes that unmet expectations, which leads to uh, that kind of offense. And so after confronting their motives, Jesus launches into a conversation about his function as the Messiah. He says, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Everyone the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so kind of, let, let's take some time and try to step into their shoes 
a bit, right? You, you just, you're thinking this guy is supposed to be your savior. And all of a sudden he starts talking about, well, the, the, the bread of life, the bread that you're waiting for is me. You know, you have to uh, eat my flesh. And so they become instantly offended and they start asking all these questions about Jesus's parents and his origins excuse me, and where, he, and, where they, and where he came from. They seem disgusted about the idea of having to possibly eat his flesh. And so they had an expectation that the Messiah would come to save them. But here he is talking about seemingly impossible and kind of gross things. So you have, again, that level of uh, unmet expectations because there's a, there's a level of misunderstanding that's happening here. But I think there's two levels of misunderstanding. So on the one hand, I genuinely believe because they didn't have the Holy Spirit to, at that moment to walk them through. Or they didn't, um, there was a genuine level of misunderstanding. Like they didn't really at that moment fully comprehend what Jesus was talking about. But on the other hand, as I was reading it this week, I began to realize that there was a level of where they were intentionally misunderstanding Jesus's words. And why? Because if you look at the crowd, right? If you think about the people that were in the crowd, he was talking to the Jewish community. And so if you, if, if you think about the culture of the Jewish people, they were a storytelling culture. So they used figurative language. Like if you guys have taken an English class, you know, you're familiar with things like metaphors. You're familiar with, uh, with, with all kinds of figurative language. So later on in the passage, what you see, you know, our question for today is when the disciples ask that question, you know, uh, this teaching is hard, who can accept it? What they say is that the message is hard to accept, not that it's hard to understand. So what, we, what we're kind of seeing here is that like, there's a level of intentional misunderstanding because they come from a, a culture that should be able to and does understand metaphor. They do understand storytelling. So here we have these people being like, why is he asking us to eat his flesh? You know, where does he actually come from? But we see later on that the, the, the disciples were actually able to understand some of what he was saying, but that what it was is that it was hard to accept, not really to understand on a certain level. So how many times have we done that? You know, when we're, when we're reading scripture or when the Holy Spirit lays something on our hearts of like, okay, I'm gonna take what God is saying at a surface level and not take the time to really understand because if I don't take the time to understand, then, then my offense towards him is justified. My, my, my confusion and my anger is justified if I, if I don't really take the time to dive deep, if I don't really take the time to process this with him and ask him, okay, what are you trying to, uh, what are you trying to tell me? And so I, I think even too, if we, if we look at what's going on in some parts of social media, when like people on TikTok or different areas are, are trying to process through scripture and you see that level of offense, what's happening is that there's, uh, again, I think a level of, of intentional misunderstanding of, if I, don't, if I don't take the time to dig deep, 
I consider my offense. And so I think that's what we're seeing here that's happening vertically with Jesus and the people that he's talking to. Yeah, like, um, I mean, if we go back to that initial example that I gave of E. Scott Martin's uh, message that as soon as I was offended, I was like, brain shut off. Like, I can't tell you anything else he talked about other than that one thing, because I was so mad. Like, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. And um, like, how often do we do that in our personal conversations? Like, um, you're, you're talking to somebody and they say something and then you're just like, mm, that's it. I'm done. Like, yeah, we're done here. Nothing more to say. Um, and it's really unfortunate, like, when we do that, because we, we shut off so many opportunities, like, um, I missed out on some really good teaching. I've heard E. Scott Martin speak since then. And I've met him in person and he always has like really great things to say. And I missed out on some really great things because I was being a baby. <laughs> and, you know, when we, when we respond in that way, like we, we miss out on potential relationships with people, friendships. Um, we miss out on opportunities to even share the gospel at times. Like, I think if we, like, if God took the time to show us right now every opportunity that we missed because we were offended. I think we would all probably cry for a while. <laughs> like it would be really sad to like actually have to see, um, you know, and there's like different reasons for that. Like for me, I'm like, well, I don't want somebody to misunderstand what I'm saying or to get offended if I try to share Jesus with them if they get offended, they get offended. Like that's on them. They got to work through that themselves, assuming that I'm being kind as yeah. I'm sharing the gospel. Right. Um, it's like when we don't take the time to, to communicate, to actually try to understand other people and seek to be understood, like we're just caught in a vicious cycle of disappointment and offense and hurt and bitterness yeah because i think we try to fill in uh, i know from my experience when, when when we don't take that time to understand we almost try to fill in um, our own list of expectations right of like we don't take the time to understand so we kind of almost make up what the other person is trying to say i know i've like dealt with that a lot but I'm glad you got to hear you, Scott Martin again. He does, he does speak some fire. Yeah. But yeah. So um, as we go further into the passage again, we, we we come back to Jesus, and so he just got done getting everyone riled up. You know, they're 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 kind of fuming. They're like, this guy's talking crazy. We don't know what he's about right now because he's telling me to drink his blood and to eat his flesh. Um, and so Jesus turns to, his, turns to his followers at that moment and tells them that with the help of the Spirit, they, without the help of the Spirit, they never truly understand what was being said. Uh, specifically, he says, uh, starting in verse 61 to 65, he says, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? 
Then what if I was to come and observe, if you were to come and observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some, there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. And so, again, there's a, he's communicating to them of the fact that, hey, you're not really going to be able to understand this unless you partner with the Spirit. There, does this offend you? Yeah, there's going to be a level of offense, but it's because in and of yourself, um, you're not going to be able to fully uh, understand. And so what happens after Jesus tells them this, um, they, their pride begins to well up, right? We see their pride well up in their heart. And rather than let go of their way of thinking, they leave out of offense. So in this moment, when Jesus is explaining this to them of like, hey, if you really... Are you offended? Well, if you uh, if you let the Holy Spirit process this with you, if you if you sit with me and you and you surrender yourself, you'll be able to understand what happens. Is they hear that and they end up walking away. And so what we see happen here is that our our pride and our flesh leads to some of those unripe expectations, which again leads to hurt which leads to offense, which in this part of the scripture led to a bunch of his disciples just uh, leaving him on the spot. So how many times do we leave uh, our time with God weighed down by those unmet expectations because pride keeps us from surrendering to his plan? You know, whether because of trauma or social expectations, we've been taught to try and puzzle things out for ourselves. You know, it's, it's this whole idea that if we take the time to think it out, the solution will present itself. But Jesus was confronting that instinct. He was laying out the fact that deep spiritual truth, that really understanding who he is, is something that's revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so when we're told that we don't have the answers, that sometimes really puts us on the defensive, right? If someone tells you, hey, at this moment, you really don't know what you're talking about, and like, you're not going to be able to get it in and of yourself. Like that would make me super defensive and unwilling to hear what that person has to say. And so I think that sometimes, again, what we're seeing in the scripture, and that sometimes what happens between us and God, you know, our pride just wells up of like, no, Jesus, if I sit down and think about this, I don't have to do it that way. I don't have to do it your way. I can figure it out. I can figure out. I don't have to surrender to you in this moment. Just give me some time. And I'll do it. And we leave that moment where Jesus is saying, hey, if you just stick with me, uh, if you sit with me in this moment, I will meet and sometimes exceed, you know, your expectations for, uh, for overcoming this thing. And so sometimes, I, yeah, I think that's what happens when it comes to our offense with God in that moment. Yeah, I think pride is like one of our biggest hurdles in our walk with Jesus, like, um, almost by its nature, I feel like pride comes with its own bundle of unmet expectations. Um, 
it's like when we're like if we think we have all the answers or our expectations or our ideas of how things should be are the most correct or the the best the most ideal or or whatever um and then something happens to like confront that and be like mm, i don't think that's true then we kind of have to make the decision of okay i can either uh, react with humility and be like, okay, so maybe I don't know, or maybe that isn't right and walk through it. Or we can stand by our guns and fight it and, you know, go down fighting. And like, to go back to my initial example again, like, um, my pride was like, I, I know what's best for me and for college students in general, and it's not to go on missions trips. And I hid it behind like spirituality. I was like, well, if everybody goes, then who's gonna tell the people that are still here? Mm. Which sounds like a really great point, right? Like, well, you're right, Christy, who who will tell these people? Um, but like, I was intentionally misunderstanding what he was saying or unintentionally I'm not sure in hindsight but um and then in addition to that I was also um like I wasn't talking to people in my classes about Jesus so it was literally just a way to deflect to be like here's this wall and now you can't get past it because how can you argue with somebody who's right who knows they're right who is you know scripturally sound and correct um and i think we see that a lot of people hiding behind really great one-liners that are actually super hollow and it's all about pride uh, you're calling out all my jesus posts christine stop <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but um, so i think though so as, as we've been processing through events and kind of what that looks like, I, I think what we see um, towards the tail end of the chapter is Jesus begins to show us what it means and what it looks like to navigate that offense. And so Jesus at that moment, he asked the other disciples, hey, are, are you going to leave me too? And what we see is that uh, Peter comes back at him in that moment and he says, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And I think that response shows us a little bit of what it looks like to learn how to navigate that offense. Um, what Peter did in that moment and what he allowed uh, Jesus to do, the, the Spirit to do, is he allowed the Holy Spirit into that process. He allowed the Spirit to, to uh, the Holy Spirit helps us navigate offense by shifting our perspective, right? Peter in that moment had a shift of perspective that the other people in the crowd didn't have. And so really quickly, the Holy Spirit shifts our perspective in, in, in these ways that we wanna talk about. And the first way that I think we really see is that he reveals the, the depth of our brokenness. You know, I think there's been a concerted effort that's put forth by this generation to uncover and talk about the shape and nature of our trauma. Um, but without the help of the Holy Spirit, I don't think we can ever fully grasp 
the nature of our own hurt, right? It's the Holy Spirit that really helps us understand uh, what deep inside of us needs to be fixed. What uh, that, that perspective shift of like, you think this is where your hurt comes from, but this is what I'm really, this is what I really need to fix in and of your heart. And um, what he also does that I think uh, he helps us understand the brokenness of others. So he helped, I'm gonna share a a story really quick of when my parents uh, years ago were going through a a pretty bad separation. I, we ended up really butting heads a lot and um, I could not for the life of me get over some moments where I felt like I'd been offended by my dad or been offended by, by my mom. But what he began to show me as a, what, later on, you know, years later, uh, what I began to see was the level of brokenness inside of me and the level of brokenness inside of them and what the Holy Spirit really needed to change. And so what happened was there was a shift, a shift of perspective in which I realized that I wasn't fighting against my parents. I was fighting against, again, what in Ephesians 6, 12, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness. So scripture reminds us that we're not supposed to be fighting against people, we're supposed to be fighting for them. So what happens is in that moment, the, 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 the Holy Spirit allowed Peter to see the level of his deep brokenness that he wasn't aware of before, what the Holy Spirit was actually trying to fix. The fact that, the, that what was wrong in the hearts of the people was something spiritual and that he didn't have to fight against them, that he was fighting for them. And being able to see that shift is what helped him uh, be able to stay. And secondly, I think what we see is that when the Holy Spirit shifts that perspective, there's a level of holy dissatisfaction that comes within us, right? Like we won't settle for any solution but Jesus. So what happens is, there, you know, without Jesus, we, we're, we're fearful of diving into conflict, right? We are healthy conflict. We don't want to engage in it because we, we're afraid of the work it takes to dig and to find that real solution. When the Holy Spirit shifts our perspective, what we end up saying and what Peter ended up saying was, hey, I'm not gonna go anywhere else because you're the real solution. I'm gonna be dissatisfied with every other solution in my life. So, and for, for, for us practically, what that looks like is again, the, 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 the Spirit telling us and showing us, hey, you're not going to be satisfied anywhere else you go. So it's us digging within community and with Jesus to find the solution that that he is pointing towards. There's that shift in being willing to do the work, being willing to sit with those people and figure out where Jesus wants to take us and where the Spirit wants to take us. Yeah, like the last way um, Holy Spirit helps us navigate through offenses by um, helping us to release or surrender our pride and learn how to rely on him instead. Um, So like as a quick example, like uh, my mom every year for our birthday, she makes us a birthday dinner. She'll like ask us ahead of time, what do you want? And then she'll like make it for us. And this year my birthday is in the middle of the week. And so she's like, well, we'll do it on the weekend. 
and the weekend came and went and I did not get my birthday dinner and so I was like I'm the middle child so obviously I got forgotten and it blew up into this really big thing in my mind and so like a month later I was still stewing on it and being like but I wouldn't tell my mom because I was like I shouldn't have to tell they should just know that they forgot my birthday and like it was to the point like you guys are gonna be like oh my gosh Chrissy but I was like to the point of like well maybe I'll just make it myself and I was like okay that's so passive aggressive and really not (laughs) not a great way to deal with this um and so finally it was just like this like Jesus moment of like okay like are you like my pride was so big I was like okay I just need to tell my mom because she just forgot she didn't she didn't secretly hate me or anything she just forgot um and so I talked to her and I was like processing through and like dealing with it and like genuinely my pride was like I'm I don't need to say anything I just they should just get it and like it's been like a lifelong like I think it's going to be a lifelong thing of uh Jesus just continually reminding like Holy Spirit's prompting of like hey like that's pride let it go yeah Yeah. I lost my train of thought I'm so sorry (laughs) you're good you're good yeah it's 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 really difficult to be able to like let go of that offense but the Holy Spirit is good at kind of like prying our hand open and our hearts open and saying, hey, just, you know, give it to me, surrender it to me. I, I know what to do with this. And so closing up the night, uh, again, if there's two things that you can take away from this. It's, again, that offense comes from, un, from those unmet expectations. And processing, again, where do those unmet expectations come from? So as you go throughout your week, as you, as you, go, as you come across those offensive situations, try to think about where those What's, what, what is the source of those unmet expectations and that hurt and that offense in your life? And that secondly, that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to navigate through that offense. He's asking you tonight that instead of uh, getting offended, instead, you know, instead of getting offended and walking away, to trust him instead of digging uh, into that offense. So um, we're just going to pray to end the night. Today, Christy, do you mind uh, praying for us? I can do that. Okay. God, we just thank you so much for this night, God, and for the the word that you placed on Jonathan's heart. Um, we just ask that you would be with us, um, Holy Spirit, that you continue to guide us as we start to kind of unpack and, and navigate through our offenses, God, that um, you would just reveal the areas of our lives that we need to work on, God, that um, when we come upon offenses in the future, that we would just remember this night, that we would be reminded of um, these points and, and that um, offense comes from our, from our unmet expectations, God, that you would just um, reveal those things to us, that you would remind us that you are enough for us. Um, so God, we just thank you and um, we thank you for the work that you're going to continue to do in our lives as well, God. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.
So thank you guys for joining us tonight. We're super excited for next week and for the Q&A. It's going to be a good time and a good way to end the semester. But uh, we love you guys and we'll see you soon. Bye.